This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Say hello, my name is Shayla Stonechild, and welcome to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm speaking to you from the unceded traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. Every week on the show, I share stories of Indigenous women from Turtle Island and beyond to challenge the mainstream narrative around Indigenous identity and offer up a new category of role models so that the next generations may thrive. We'll put a spotlight on issues facing Indigenous women and explore how we can reclaim our voice, our body, and our spirit, and our power that have been silenced and stolen throughout history and humanity. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe on the platform of your choice. Now, let's get to this week's conversation. I'm your host, Shayla Stonechild, and I'm super excited to be here with guest Nikki Sanchez. Nikki is a Maya and Irish Scottish academic, Indigenous media maker, and environmental educator. Nikki holds a master's degree in Indigenous governance and is presently completing a PhD with a research focus on emerging visual media technology as it relates to Indigenous ontology. She designed and directed the first ever Indigenous Storyteller Edition with TELUS StoryHive, a project to provide funding and mentorship for 30 emerging Indigenous filmmakers in BC and Alberta. I first met Nikki um, on the first official photo and video shoot for the Matriarch Movement uh, back in November, I believe. What what year was that now? Like 2020? Oh was it 20? <laughs> I, felt, I don't know so it was long pre-covid ago. all i know is that it was before <laughs> covid before changed the, the world forever it changed the world yeah. seriously uh but i actually was familiar with nikki's work on vice and also just her her talk on ted talks for decolonization is for everyone and so i was really a big admirer of nikki's work beforehand and then when the shoot happened i was just like finally i could meet you in person and yeah you're just like really um humble and and inspiring to be around too just being with I feel like that matriarchal energy that women empowerment energy it was nice to be around so thank you hi hi Nikki for coming on the podcast today I'm so happy to be here I know I asked you this question on the shoot but like what does the word uh matriarch mean to you that's something I've been thinking a lot about um, for a really long time. Like matriarch really to me meant like, you know, like abuelitas and cookums and like our wise female mm-hmm. elders. Um, but more and more, I feel like matriarchy is a state of like being and becoming. And um, mm-hmm. as we like, as we grow, and like I use the term like women and non-binary and two-spirit, like as we grow as life givers and we begin to tend to the life around us, I think that is the becoming of matriarchy. So I think that we are always mm-hmm. like, coming into our matriarchy and there's many phases of it, mm-hmm. but I really see like even like little ones, you know, that moment that they have self-awareness that they need to take care of like ones who are littler than them or that they need to 
like be gentle with an animal like that. I feel like that process of tending to life and caring for life is the process of, of matriarchy. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I agree. I feel like there's this term called like matriarch in the making. I feel like I still have so much wisdom to learn and to embody before I can really, you know, I don't think people just call themselves matriarchs. Like it's something that is like passed down or like given to you for the work that you do. Uh, Speaking about the work that you do, I know you wear many hats, but like I'm curious to know about the start of your journey. You know, what was your childhood like? And was it always a passion of yours to be doing the work that you're currently doing now? Or when did that that kind of start to happen for you? I was born in the middle of a like revolution and genocide in my home territory. Um, both of my parents were very involved in the revolution and protecting my father's people and homelands. So I have never not um like lived an existence that has been acutely um aware of like land and life and like you know Mm. even like being able to speak our language or keep our names um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's always i guess like there's definitely been stages in my life when i've really tried to run away from that and mm-hmm. be anything else and you know not um it's painful it's really painful and it's hard work um and it's personal so there, there's definitely been like teenage moments of trying to run away and you know become a model or do something silly like that <laughs> but um for the most for most of my life it's really you know um colonization has really shaped my life especially as a displaced person like I am my indigeneity comes from the south and I've spent mm-hmm. the majority of my life here on Lekwungen territories and so I've always been acutely aware of like not only indigeneity but indigeneity in diaspora and how colonization has moved um, indigenous people um, like into different parts of our territories and off of our territories and separated us from our homelands as Mm -hmm. well like it it's for me returning to my homelands is not an easy thing to do Right. Well, that was going to lead to my next question is like, how do you remain rooted to your, um, your like culture, your identity, your roots in like a fast paced, you know, evolving world? People talk about decolonization. And I feel like that word has um, essentially lost its Mm -hmm. meanings kind of in a way because it's just taken other forms. And so yeah, how do you remain rooted and true to your roots and your authenticity? authenticity and then the next question would be like what does decolonization mean to you i'm gonna i'm gonna flip an answer in the opposite direction so yeah because um, <laughs> it makes more sense in my mind so colonization um i, I believe i'm qu- quoting glenn colthart um but colonization is not an event right like it was never one thing mm-hmm. that happened colonization um is a series of events that continue um, and change form and mm-hmm. you know change through policy and change through publicity but colonization 
Mm-hmm. Like since its onset has never ended, it has only continued and changed changed its many masks and its many guises. Like I would mm-hmm. argue that even right now, colonization is masquerading as reconciliation um, here in Canada. Right. And so in that exact same way, decolonization is a process. Like it's not an event. Like you can't decolonize. Like I, I try to decolonize, um, but if I don't practice decolonization, I, I re like there's the system is I live in a colonial system. Right? So if I'm not constantly acting against the forces of that colonization, then I am, I am becoming part of the colonial system. So for me, decolonization is like daily acts of resistance and daily acts of defiance. And like, just for me, just like choosing to use my language, I'm, I'm not a language speaker. I'm like a language learner and Mm -hmm. I would be like a kindergarten language learner if I was going to be classified in that way. Um, but I insist on using my language um, because it makes mm-hmm. people uncomfortable to remember that there's other languages um, that are spoken. It makes people uncomfortable um, not to have English be the dominant language in the room and to have their worldview catered to. Um, and so, yeah, there's lots of ways um, that I practice decolonization but it's a constant like it is constantly about like a battle of self-awareness and um like really holding myself accountable because there's other days where it's like you know I'm tired and you know I'll like consume media or I'll consume food that is really problematic Mm -hmm. and you know unless I'm constantly um, self-aware in that way and practicing that resistance uh, it just becomes so, the mm-hmm. forces of colonization and globalization are so powerful that it's really difficult you know so I like I give everyone props um, to who like because I know we're all working at it and it's a process and I don't think like I can't wait for the day that we're no longer having to put all of our energy towards decolonizing and we can actually be focused on indigenizing. And I think mm-hmm. for some folks, like that's where they are, you know, folks who, who have grown up mm-hmm. in their communities, folks who um, have access to their, their lands and their language and their ceremonies, they um, get to do the work of indigenizing and like carrying culture forward and I think for folks like me um who are displaced um who who, you know like my work is decolonizing and my work is making space um so that the people who are closer to the fire um have that ability to indigenize I think you touched on a really um big point and that's just like we can um come to a place of burnout Mm -hmm. I feel like burnout for me has been the leading cause of why I'm not like on the front lines or I'm not going out it's because like I'm I'm literally so tired just from holding online space that I can barely hold space for myself and so when people are you know trying to decolonize or indigenize things what are things when you are feeling completely burnt out that bring you back to your past 
power and allow you to reclaim like your um, authenticity and your health, mm -hmm. really. Like, so you don't keep burning yourself out. Do you have practices that keep you balanced? I do. And like, I want to be really real with everyone that like that too is a practice. And like, I have coping mechanisms and I have wellness practices and, you know, at different times I reach for different things. And I like, um, I just really want to be authentic with, um, like everyone who hears this that they know that like mm -hmm. sometimes our survival looks like our coping mechanisms and that's okay like we don't survive mm -hmm. yeah 500 years of genocide well and I think that's and, like and get to like walk away and just have like make perfect life choices so for me um right on you know on the days where I can access what self-care looks like for me that looks like be like being on the land it looks like um singing singing my song singing songs that have been given to me using medicine um and and ceremony if I have access to it and the, and then like I put mm -hmm. those things into my like daily life and little and little bits so that they're really accessible and I can practice them every day. So like I'll sing my water song in the shower mm. and you like, yeah, I'll, when I, when I am out, you know, just taking my dog for a walk or going to meet someone for coffee, I'll speak to the land in the language of the, of this land, mm. land of, like of Sanchoth in here, or if I'm up, up west like in Natalness I'll speak to the animals in their language and just recognize things mm -hmm. so I like embed those little practices that maybe like nobody else would even notice that I'm doing them but for me they're ways mm -hmm. to reconnect and remind myself that like mm -hmm. I am more than just um a consumer individual like capital entity but that I am part of an interconnected mm -hmm. web of life and that I'm like spirit just as much mm -hmm. as I am a body and those things mm -hmm. those little things actually like just those little moments of grace sometimes are the things that like powerfully sustain me through pain and burnout mm -hmm. yeah yeah coming back to that relationship and that kinship in a way like taking those moments is an act of like decolonization you know resting and restoring and you know kind of working against the capitalistic clock that always tells us we need to be in a state of achieving totally. and doing and working urgency, uh, right? right yes yeah the, yeah and also the like yeah and entitlement i feel like a lot of entitlement out there too that people feel entitled to your time and your energy and you're just like yeah. wait like what is our relationship what is our connection to one another um going back to uh your your childhood uh when when did you so i feel like you've always this like you grew up with um you know this like you grew up surrounded by colonization like genocide so it's always been in your blood to like do this work to do decolonization but for you like how i'm curious to know how was it like literally going to school in a colonial mm -hmm. system learning those ways and then still like I don't know I for me I have a lot of resistance towards working in these systems that are literally just um like forms of white supremacy I feel like totally <laughs> so like right 
I'm just like, and so I just have so much respect that people are, that are like doing the work within the system. But also I'm just like, how do you maintain that? <laughs> like, how do you maintain rooted? Again, coming back to your roots mm-hmm. um, in places and institutions like this. So like, what is, um, I know it's not your job to like continuously educate, but like, what would your advice be to be to a settler that, you know, like how, how would a settler begin to decolonize? Oi. <laughs> like, there's, Watch your TED yeah, talk. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot there. The, the very first thing, I mean, and this is like, I wrote, like I did the one, two, three ABCs in my TED talk. Um, so if anyone wants to begin that work, they can just go to YouTube and type, check out type yeah. Nikki Sanchez. And <laughs> I'll drop the link. Um, but I think the first piece is like really knowing who you are and where you come from. And for so long, like work of diversity or inclusion or equity has always been about like, let's learn about the Cree or let's learn about like the Syrians. And it's not about like, it shouldn't always be about like learning about other people's culture and extracting from other people's culture and feeling like you Mm -hmm. have moral authority because you tried Ethiopian food. Like who are you? Mm -hmm. Like who are your people? How did you get here? What, what were the political Mm -hmm. and economic reasons that brought you here? Who did you displace? to be on the land that you're on, Mm. like the wealth that you've inherited, the wealth that your family holds, everything that all the privilege you've received, Mm -hmm. who did that come from? That doesn't come just Mm. from anyone. It comes from something. And especially in colonized nations, like the United States and Canada, it comes directly at the dispossession of the people of whose land you're on. It comes directly from their exploitation, from their their uh, exclusion, from economy, from the the very intentional mm-hmm. destruction of sovereign ways of life for indigenous people. So there's two parts of that. One is, you know, really that healing part of reconnecting with your ancestry and your gifts and all the things that make your life story and your genealogy special and the places where you can really connect to your power and the lands, the homelands, mm. and the home, the home languages that like tell you who you are and about you know what your purpose is here and about what your gifts are. And the other piece of that is to to do the reparations part of healing. Like we don't get to just come to reconciliation. If you are holding land, if you're holding property, if you're holding privilege that was acquired through genocide through theft of children for over a hundred years, through forced exclusion from economic policy. Like it's not enough to just acknowledge that you have to begin the work of giving it back. Mm -hmm. I think it, yeah. I like how you touched on, you know, reclaiming your power, but in a sense for uh, white people, I feel like it's giving up some of those powers and those privileges and um, making space and also like making change, like making, like literally providing action. I feel like there's a lot of talk about reconciliation, but like the government is actually putting more money into like working against truth and reconciliation than they are actually about like, we're doing the calls to action. Um, I know, 
right? Um, and so there's this like topic of like indigenous futurism. And I know this means something different for everyone, but if you were to define indigenous futurism to yourself, how would you define it? I think it? for me, indigenous futurism looks like a future that is designed, like it's defined by our sovereign and generative spirit and vision and brilliance and like what our hearts want to create and the lives that we're called to live in the ways that we want to live them rather than our existences being shaped in response to constant colonial oppression and assault and and us merely having to fight to exist um, as indigenous people or to exist on our territories or to have access to lands that provide, you know, our sustenance, our medicines, our water. Um, that that mm -hmm. future is a future that we define not in response to oppression, but in, a, mm. in our own emancipation in a transcendent way. And that's a really, really mm. beautiful place mm -hmm. to spend time dwelling and imagining like what that mm. world would look like for all of us and what it would look like individually for each one of us. Yeah, I don't even know what I would right? do if I didn't right? have to, right? I would feel like, oh my God, so much freedom, so much liberation, like even just that thought. And I think we have moments, like I think, you know, like I, this is why I so love the spirit of the matriarch mo movement is, and I think that's why we've survived is because We've always been able to find like those moments where we feel that spirit mm -hmm. and we live in that spirit. And it's like those moments of dwelling there is what gives us like the strength and the courage and the vision to know that it's possible. And so we keep fighting, mm -hmm. but our lives shouldn't have to mm -hmm. be defined by fighting how has this year been for you? I know the pandemic has really, you know, changed everyone's lives in undescribable ways. I'm just, I just want to know, like, how have you been during this whole, whole year? Like, how is school? How is your work? <laughs> this year has been one crazy ass year. And I think, I think probably for, I mean, I can't speak for others, but I, I think for many of us, it's probably been like some really incredible opportunities for growth and learning and also mm -hmm. some deep shadow work and like really having to yeah. face face ourselves and face like and when I say ourselves I mean both ourselves as individuals and ourselves collectively as humanity and like to really look at what we've mm -hmm. done and what we've created and and really reckon with whether we're going to allow for like, are we going to allow for a future to exist where we just have rolling pandemics and lockdowns and our only like access to freedom is to go consume and we don't get to see our mm -hmm. loved ones and we don't get to gather in ceremony. And every time we leave the house, we have to wear a mask. Like, are we going to allow for that? Mm -hmm. But I this know. year yeah. specifically for me was really um, like, quite powerful because we went I went directly from occupying the Victoria legislature um with like youth indigenous youth from 34 different nations 
um, we we held down the legislature for, for February and yeah. like shut down the Thrones speech and made John Horgan like run through tunnels like a little rat to hide from us because he didn't want to face up to his political decisions um, or accountability. And so, and like when I'm talking about in, indigenous futurisms for that month, we created like, we created what the future could look like. We were in, you know, we mm-hmm. had, we had a sacred fire going 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. We were feeding people. We were caring for people. Like we had, so many people come out to support us and we had so many young people Mm -hmm. like come together and become family and we had so many like healers and medicine people come and do ceremony and like we created that future we lived in that future and it felt so good um I remember seeing um, photos and I arrived there like the day after everyone oh, like no. <laughs> left. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember seeing photos of it. And I, yeah, I think I messaged you wanted to meet up. But yeah, um, that that was like a really good moment, even just seeing it online, seeing all the support from everyone. And, you know, when you when you hold down like legislator buildings like in Vancouver sometimes there'll be call out for things to uh support but what do you think is the best way for people to support during that time during those times like I think for non-indigenous folks it's your body and your political power and your financial power Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. if you can't actually you if you've got kids and you've got like a full-time job send money if you have if you have time mm-hmm. and you have the ability, like get your body down there. Um, if you have political mm-hmm. power or influence, if you're a lawyer, if you work, you know, in government, like utilize that power in solidarity. Um, we saw mm-hmm. a lot of that. Like we saw a lot of people really wanting um, to step out and really support us, and just being afraid of what what the consequences would be. And I think that's another place where it's like, when we talk about allyship, right? Like you can be an ally all you want on a sunny day on Instagram, but what does it look like when it's trailing in February and people are asking you to come and put your body on the line at 1am, right? Like what kind of ally are you? And so Mm -hmm. those are times like, because the way in which two like white bodies are going to be treated by the police is so different than the way that two spirit young indigenous bodies are going to be treated by the police. And so like for mm-hmm. you, it's just going to be a, like a trip. You're going to get a car ride in a van, maybe get processed, maybe get held for our young people. You're going to get physically assaulted. You're going to get like emotionally tormented and you're going to be, you're going to be processed and you're going to be given, like you're going to be put in the legal system that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. So like, mm-hmm. and I think most people know, like, I really, I, I say this a lot. There's so many different ways to be an activist. And it doesn't mean that you need to put your body on the front line, but you know what your gifts are. You know, we had people that mm-hmm. down, like cases of wild salmon, like, you know, mothers who couldn't be there, but sent down like cases of wild salmon and people who sent down medicines 
and like met, you know, uh, healers who made tinctures. And there's so many ways like you don't, and if you have trauma and you can't be on the front line, that's okay. But there's so many other mm-hmm. ways to be there in spirit and in solidarity and even virtually, right? Amplifying that mm-hmm. message and our yeah, story, totally. like it was a story that, you know, we had German press and we had French press telling that story when Canadian press wasn't even telling that story. We had no, know, no, like telling that story. Uh, I really like how you highlighted that you can support and be like, you know, do some sort of activism regardless of what your role is within society. Uh, How can people support your work now and what you're doing? I like my passion um, and my like what's been my side hustle for uh, almost seven years now is um, a collective called Decolonize Together. um, That is we actually do my our work actually is decolonial education and we run workshops Mm -hmm. and um, we'll like do everything from like a one day workshop to like a two year process with different organizations. That's how um, the story hive indigenous um, like creators edition was created was working really in depth with story hive and going through a whole decolonial process with them and seeing their commitment to want to support indigenous creatives and them taking all of their their knowledge and their skills and their power and their financial ability and co-creating a program um, that you know was really like accessible, empowering, and culturally relevant for indigenous creators. And it was like such a huge um, it was such a huge success. I'm actually gonna cry um, because um, Taryn was part of that program and like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, if anyone um wants to watch his film they can like on story hive and that's like a really beautiful mm-hmm. piece of of him that will live forever and i'm really really mm-hmm. happy that, that 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 he was able to make that and share that with the world before he left us mm-hmm. yeah like yeah i'm gonna start crying too i was I was um, really close to Taryn too. So like, um, yeah, his death really hit us all. But I think that just shows the power behind telling our own stories and, you know, content creating and using our voices as Indigenous people, because that shows like your spirit will live on in those stories and in those videos and in all that music, whatever you're doing to create. Totally. Um, yeah. Hi, hi. Thanks. Hands up yeah. to Taryn for blessing yes. us with his presence while he was here. That, it was very... Link, the link to his video too on this podcast because yeah. it's so beautiful and like his spirit is in it and it just like is... I've watched it many times since, since he passed and um, we do get to live forever, you know, when we share our art with the world, mm-hmm. we share our words, um, yeah. we get to live forever. And um, that's a really mm-hmm. beautiful little piece um, of, of his work that I just cherish. I'm really happy that we could connect on this podcast and we hopefully can connect in real life. Um Yes, thank you so much for sharing your space and for sharing your time on here. If you have any closing remarks where people can follow you and support you. Yeah, I think the thing I really want to say, Shayla, is just like 
to really hold my hands up to you and say Kuali Plaz Kamadi and recognize like your courage and the energy that you put into putting positivity out through the virtual channels that we have access to. And it's been a real pleasure to speak with you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at Shayla0h at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.